Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Gaia was recorded on September 29th, 2022. Thank you so much. That was really sweet. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Gaia. I am a trauma survivor and a grateful member of ACA. I'm so grateful to be here and to be doing service. So I'll start with uh, what it was like. First of all, I am from Bangkok, Thailand, but I've been living in California for 26 years now. I wanted to tell you a little bit about my parents because uh, um, it's important. You know, it's important to know why they quote, loved me the way they did. So uh, my dad, both my dad and my mom were abandoned. Um, my dad, um, he's the alcoholic and my mom automatically is uh, the co-alcoholic as ACA, you know, said it. Um, Abandonment. Yes, uh, my dad was sent to be a little monk after his dad died. Uh, that's how they did send boys to school back then. Some families did that. My mom got ill, very ill, that she had to stop going to school. I'm not sure if she even finished middle school. Maybe she did and started high school. But anyway, um, they met and they married young and, you know, married before they even got to know one another. They migrated from the small province uh, they lived in and migrated to Bangkok, the big city. I assume, I, I imagine, because, you know, coming from Thailand and to be here in America, different cultures, you know, the stress and all that, they must have experienced that. And they had me right away. I'm their first child of four. And, you know, boom, 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 like four kids, four years in a row. And <clears throat> just like, you know, without the support, not much support from their uh, families of origin. And so uh, I basically uh, experienced trauma since I was in my mom's womb, I believe. So they both tried to survive, you know, I mean, they wanted better lives for themselves and they wanted a good life for us. And so my dad, you know, uh, pretty ambitious, hardworking, he became a great material provider. Uh, mom, perfectionistic, spotless home, clothes, meals for us. Um, they both are uh, conservative, religious, always donate money to temples, blindly, in my opinion. <laughs> always mention karma that, you know, bad things will happen to you when you do bad things, etc. So to cope with 
that kind of life. My dad used alcohol, my mom used food, and for me, food as well. And my dad uh, has always been abusive until these days, even though he stopped drinking uh, towards my mom. And my mom is extremely codependent. So, uh, you know, to survive, no time, no space for feelings and emotions. Um, I believe they love me. They love all their kids. But we grew up in love deficit, for sure. Uh, I became a confidant for my mom's complaints about her husband, who happened to be my dad. And then when I asked why you don't leave, I got scolded and told that, you know, uh, she stayed because of you guys, because I wanted you to have, you know, both parents. So I uh, grew up with the sense of like, you know, I owe her my life. She sacrificed for me. I was straight A student, but I got ashamed when somebody recognized uh, my good grades and by my mom. And uh, I uh, had to go to after school programs all the time. I didn't get to play much. Uh, I was my dad's favorite because, you know, I was good at school. So I got jealousy from my siblings because, you know, I was the, I'm the, the first child, you know, I got everything like first, first, first before them. Uh, my dad would pick me up late and drove us drunk home. I was horrified, but I had no vocabulary. My mom did nothing because she was the victim of that too. Uh, when I was uh, a teenager, when, uh, you know, uh, I got uh, noticed by boys and they recognized that too, my parents, I, they would imply that I must have done something slutty when I did nothing, you know? I mean, um, yeah, and uh, I was artistic uh, and the first child who, who claimed like, you know, I'm gonna go into art, wanted to go to art school, but no, they actually used, um, fear tactics, you know, about like, oh, you would not survive, you know, it's a dangerous world, blah, blah, blah. So I had to fight to pursue my passion, what I wanted to do. When I grew up, um, the, of course, they wanted me to do more stable jobs. And so, but we had to make a deal. I won, I got to go to art school uh, in interior design, I chose. And um, I finished school and my dad asked me to do some work for his friend. But when I asked about money, what I got was that, who do you think you are? And he was so furious um, and uh, expected me to give my service for free. So it's like, huh, yeah, you told me you're not gonna make money and you are the person who would not let me get paid um, for, for my work. Um, my parents believe that, um, I, I can say maybe it's an Asian thing, uh, but some of my friends, you know, their parents don't have this kind of obligation on them. 
we children are obligated to pay back our parents for taking care of us when you start earning money, you know, like treat them, give them money, things like that. I, from the get-go, I think because, you know, the way they told me, I felt manipulated and I always resented that obligation. But when I was younger, you know, I gave them money. Um, In my 20s, you know, I started working and I acted out sexually with unavailable men, though in hiding, but, you know, I, through working the program, you know, I learned that, yeah, I was thinking if I uh, do this, yeah, this is what slutty is like. This is what slutty is. And, um, but, uh, you know, they never knew, never know about that. And um, anyway, uh, my dad, dreamt to go to study abroad, but he gave up and he chose us. He chose his his family instead. I also had that same dream. And so at 29, when I said I wanted to go to America, they were more than happy to support. And so I was here, studied, and the plan was to, to get my little sister to come Uh, also. But back then, the economy in Asia collapsed, so she didn't get to come. Uh, I wanted to go back, um, but everybody said, you are in the better place, you stay. And I've been here since because I met my husband and uh, we've been living here. So I always, I mean, for the longest time, I had this guilt uh, that I took too much, I had more than my sister. I received more than my dad. At the same time, the expectation on me from them was getting higher and higher because they spent, they invested on me and they demanded. My mom in particular, I had to go through like, you know, her demanding uh, for money. I did uh, um, do send, I mean, my ideal, Uh, situation is I will give when I want to give, not, you know, when I feel obligated. So, uh, so I was here, um, I found a job and uh, I got into a relationship. Uh, That man actually introduced me to 12-step programs. And that's how I found out, well, I actually went to a food program and I learned about ACA through that program. Uh, I went to meetings for about six months. Um, I just listened to everybody, people's shares and I uh, resonated and I felt enraged. I, I, I just like, wow, this is what happened to me. I felt like I could kill my dad. And I got scared of my own anger uh, and, you know, the the thought about the karma, things like that, you know, just sent me like out of the rooms. But I went to other programs alike, including others program for my court, you know, symptoms like money, uh, relationships. Um, Ten years later, I hit my rock bottom with careers and 
um, you know, I had financial crisis and I felt suicidal. So I, I, I left all the programs and went into hiding and my sponsor back then, you know, noticed and she reached out. I shared with her what happened, but she reminded me, though it was the career and money issue, you know, problems, she said, hmm, I sense that the solution actually could be ACA. This time around, I believe I was ready. And back then I was not. So I came to ACA for the second time and up until now, you know, so far. So um, what happened actually was that I, I got a job interview and I got praised, like, you know, the second interview praised again, highly praised for my, uh, you know, resume and background. But I never heard from them. And I waited. They never contacted me. So I decided to follow up and learn that they actually hired somebody already. I believe, and this is through the work in ACA, I didn't know back then what happened to me, why, you know, it made me feel suicidal. Uh, actually, what happened is that I had a PTSD. Basically, it was like back then when I was little, I, I, I got praised, right, though by others. My mom would basically shame me and abandoned me. This was like that, but by the same people. They did not even care to say to me that they already hired. Thank you, yada, yada, yada. I felt like I was rejected big time, abandoned, like I was nobody. So, um, yeah. Um, so, so that's what happened. That, that's what it was like before ACA. Then I came to ACA, I asked someone to sponsor me right away. And uh, she said yes. And uh, then she reminded me that I actually disappeared for about, I don't know, five, six weeks. And she's like, where are you? And I was like, oh, what did I get myself into? But I uh, worked with her. Oh, my goodness. I'm so grateful for her, for everybody, for all of you, for the work, everybody who came before me, like Tony Ace and the team, everyone. Because, um, well, I want to, to, to talk about how growing up in that home affected me through the laundry list trade, because they told me, how I reacted to the trauma back then. And as an adult, adult child, right? So I'm living from the standpoint of an adult child being <clears throat> like triggered and all that. And so I have to use the traits and the character defects, which I don't actually call character defects. Uh, I'm more sensitive to words. Uh, now that I know what loving is, right? So, uh, so I call them all survival tools because I had to survive. So I use these tools. I actually have done all 14 traits, but the three traits that I picked up most often, uh, um, 
trade five, trade eight, and trade twelve. If you look at the covers of the yellow book, you know there's a picture of a tree, right? It, for me, I look at these three trades like that. The trade five, trade five is we live life from the viewpoint of victims. Trade eight, we became addicted to excitement. And that excitement, to be precise, it's suffering and misery for me. Uh, so these two traits are like the trunk and the branch. But actually, the root of it is trait 12, which is we are terrified of abandonment and will do anything to hold on to our relationship in order not to experience the painful abandonment feeling that we experienced growing up. So to me, the terror of abandonment actually uh, pertains to my family. Basically, the Red Book calls that false loyalty to my family, meaning that, uh, you know, if my family is still suffering, they're not well, I cannot be well, I cannot heal. I will, it will mean it would mean that I betray them. So in order to keep this bond going, I live my life from the viewpoint of victims. Well, I felt victimized too. Well, the truth is I was a victim of this trauma for real. That was reality. But I, you know, I, I have the right to feel victimized, but, but then I, you know, go on and you know, feel victimized for too long. and But there's a need underneath that, right? Trade 12. So to, to be with my family, like, you know, uh, yeah, to be loyal to them. I live my life from the viewpoint of victims and I uh, became addicted to suffering and misery. It makes me feel alive and because it feels familiar. So these three traits work well together but the root is always that need. And uh, I'm so grateful that, that I, I got this. I understood this. Why, you know, uh, I had such behaviors. So, uh, but, you know, I, I, um, I now know that I could not have turned out otherwise. I could not have turned out differently. That is one of my mantras, you know, it's like when I, I picked up this trait, it's like, yeah, yes, I could not have turned out otherwise. And so, but naturally, you know, these, to be fair, you know, it's a need to belong. I think it's one of the fundamental needs for humans, you know, to belong somewhere. And I love my family. We we long together, we can bond through trauma, the trauma bond, because we don't know how to bond differently. I'm the only one in healing and that, you know, gives me feeling of guilt. Again, you know, it's like, yeah, I've taken too much already. I'm still receiving more, you know, how dare I? And so, um, um, the examples of how I, I, I live uh, through these traits, I, I would create chaos in my life. I reject good things. I sabotage uh, my growth and success, you know, if it happened. 
I actually did feel like, you know, I just the first time I started to feel so uncomfortable when I recognized my my recovery was like, what is this? And then, you know, I use uh, the, the work right as a tool to figure out. And I wanted also to say, you know, um, clarity. I basically before I was in denial, right? Because truth or clarity hurt. Who wanted to know what really happened? But once I got to know, you know, a little, little by little, you know, I've basically been doing this for 12 years and I'm still here, you know, because I, uh, it cannot happen just boom, boom, boom like that. You know, it takes time. So slowly I start to, started to uh, recognize that, um, yeah, I, uh, I need to, uh, mm, I lost <laughs> train of thoughts there. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, I, uh, I noticed my behaviors. And um, so this tree, you know, it was fed with also resentment. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about resentment also, you know, that uh, trait uh, when I play the victim, I, uh, because I resented my parents, you know, for what they did and all that. So I wanted to stay like, you know, in that place with seething resentment. And so I kept this going. And uh, being it, being with unavailable men also was you know, uh, yes, it felt familiar because, you know, my dad was not available. So why would I care for available men, you know, who came in my life, I would pick, you know, the one that was like my dad. But I learned through this work that that was the need to punish my parents. But it was interesting. I did it like in hiding. You know, nobody knew, and uh, I lied. You know, if I uh, showed, I mean, I brought someone home, I would lie. Oh, yeah, we're available, blah, blah, blah. But my thought, this was my teenager who, who told me this, you know, through the reparenting work that, you know, just like, yeah, like I said earlier, I wanted to show them what slutty is if you call me that I'm gonna be that and if they ever knew about this they would die from shame and disappointment because they had so high expectation on me but uh, I'm glad that you know they they don't know I you know lived in shame for a long time but but I had to to heal I, I got to heal uh, through this program. And so back to this tree, this, this tree is like the critical parent. They need to leave, but I could not just like chop it down like that. You know, I had to stop feeding it with the same kind of mentality, right? Um, then it can actually be turned into fertilizer for my growth for the new tree that could grow from the same spot or the you know spot next to it. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. But um, 
I had to turn it over to God. You know, the pace, I, I, I can do only what I can, um, especially uh, forgiveness. I tried. I'm sure everybody wants to forgive, right? And so I did try hard, but it was almost like from the head, like, you know, I'm going to, yeah, forgive. I told myself, forgive already. But no, I was full with resentment and even more that, you know, I could not forgive. I was a bad girl, blah, blah, blah. So what happened in ACA? Well, the solution says it all to become my own loving parent. So living in the solution is what I do now in reparenting. Like I mentioned before, one of the mantras is that I tell myself I could not have turned out otherwise. The, the other one is from the Red Book, uh, the, quote, the quote by Claudia B, where it says, love this child for what she or he has had to defend against. Love this child for what she or he has had to defend against. So that's what I've been doing. I worked the steps twice, one, once with the sponsor and the other time with a group. I worked the trade book. These helped me find out what happened to me. Like I said, you know, the clarity and then I get to love myself for what I have had to defend against. And um, I do this on a daily basis. I'm operating from, from the, the, the self, the loving parent self. Well, that's what I believe <laughs> I'm doing uh, anyway. Uh, I've been creating safe space for my inner children. Uh, I, I did grief work. Basically, you know, feel the feelings, feel the sadness, cry, get angry, use the tools. I journal a lot. And uh, my journals all have had like, you know, signs of me being angry. I broke lots of pens and pencils, just like stabbing, you know, like when the feelings, the anger came up, I cried more easily. Uh, I, and I would like to, I pictured myself, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm like that, like, you know, that's a well of feelings, right? And then uh, on the, the top part is like water. I, so I cry a lot before I can get angry, which is harder at the bottom. Well, I work with sponsees over the years and I, I know through working with them that we are different. Some of them, you know, some of them are like me, some others are like, well, the top is like harder. They could get angry more easily, but to cry and to grieve, to sob, that's harder, which is lower and it takes time right so so we all take time to do this grief work 
and I use um, baseball bats, uh, plastic ones. Uh, I hit, you know, the bed, the pillow, the sofas, like, you know, soft surfaces. And, and uh, I broke one <laughs> and then I got the, you know, like it, it's much cleaner. You know, resentment is stored anger. When it's stored, it's muddy, it's heavy. But when it's anger, I, I'm not afraid of anger now. Uh, I rather uh, express it, well, in you know, a grown-up's way and safe way. And um, then it's out. It's out, you know, to use the bat to hit things that's physical. So it's out. So it, don't, it doesn't get to store. I use stuffed animals. Uh, I didn't grow up playing with toys and stuffed animals. The first one I got for myself was in 2012. I was like in late 40s already, but now I have 11 of them. Oh, they represent, you know, each part of me, like different characters. Um, I put them like, you know, first thing in the morning, I have like a little bed for them, like as if I had my own little kids. Thank goodness that, you know, they're not like, you know, with blood and <laughs> bones. And, uh, I don't think I, I, I can do with real children, to be honest. And so, you know, like I, I use them when I, you know, have like court formal sessions when something comes up, you know, and I would intuitively like which one is sad, like really they have plastic eyes, <laughs> but I can actually see sadness or anger or other feelings through their plastic eyes. Go figure. It works for me beautifully. Uh, using Tonier's 12 steps. Man, it's been very, very helpful, you know, for practicing unconditional love. Uh, that's the new kind of, it's a water that I feed myself now you know like well that tree you know I, to grow a new tree I use this you know with the old one as fertilizer because they're treasure actually you know this all the experiences I see um I I nowadays you know I see that these wounds have turned into wisdom the traumas turn into treasure and I believe was it Oprah who said you know you turn shit into fertilizer this is what it is seriously for me anyway so uh so I've been there for my inner children I become I mean I well I would like to believe that I have always been a good listener friends you know people who know me said so but I have become even a better listener because of them, I let them say what they need to say to me without judgment. Uh, growing up, I could not swear. Nowadays, they can go for all of <laughs> what they know with me, with me, not with others. And um, I, I let them do that. And uh, there's only one rule between me and my inner kid, which is, you speak to me, I speak to others. That's it. You can tell me anything. And um, 
yeah, I do what I can. These are things that I I do, and uh, I let God handle the outcome. My relationship with God has been day and night. Like before, like I said, my parents, you know, they talked karma. Basically, even though I grew up Buddhist, Buddhism and 12-step, you know, God, as I understand, God has been working well for me. You know, it's like that inner self, inner Buddha, but I believe in something bigger than the Buddha, the universe, you know. And so um, I call God, I call my higher power, my higher parent. He, she, it, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I just know that it's there. And um, I also, I already mentioned forgiveness. I turned it over. I surrendered. It used to be like this. Uh, when in meetings, somebody or speaker or even like regular shares would share about forgiveness or use forgiveness as a topic to talk about, a lot of the times I wanted to just get up, you know, in face-to-face meetings, want just to get up and walk out. It was like, what about me? Why? You know, like I was still in that right resentment. I had the right to be that. What about me? Why do I have to forgive? You know, and when I cannot forgive, I felt like a failure on top of that. So I surrendered. I made like almost not not almost. I actually did a ritual to like, you know, surrender forgiveness to you, God. I have no idea what it would be like or look like. It's out for right now, totally on you. But when it was time to happen, it happened. It was so beautiful. I thought one night, several years ago, I was like binging on some TV shows, uh, one, one TV show late at night. I already watched that show. It was in Thai. And uh, I was like, uh-oh. Mm, but okay, well, I'm going to, you know, continue. One scene, it was about a child who was, who became like a drug addict and uh, recovered. And he talked with his dad. Why did you stay with mom? Mom is so abusive. And he said, because I love her and I want you to have her, both her and me. Almost exactly the same as, you know, how my mom uh, said it. But I watched it. It didn't do anything to me. But this time around, like 1 a.m., 2 (laughs) a.m., I thought I was being bad. And uh, it just hit me hit me in a different place I would like to say that hit in my heart the right spot right angle and for the first time I heard my mom I heard my mom it was from good intention that she did well there may have been other reasons like well if I left him what would I do her fear and all that right I mean but that's her stuff but what I heard 
from that show was that yes, you did sacrifice for me. And love just poured on my heart, on me. And um, when I felt lighter, I knew that was the grudges that I held all my life just got released. And I just assumed that was forgiveness. And I do believe that was forgiveness. That was monumental, monumental, sorry, monumental for me. So um, it happened when I surrendered. And nowadays, thanks to the family tree and all the, you know, step work where, you know, uh, I answered the questions, what happened? And, you know, um, I know what happened to my parents. I know now why they loved me the way they did. Also, another thing, it used to bother me a lot when people said, their parents done their best. They've done their best. I was not ready to hear that. Now, I know from my heart that they've done their best. So my relationship with them has been better, but I would say as good as it gets. It's still far from my idea. I'm not looking to fix anything. I let it be. Um, Last week I had a birthday and uh, I didn't hear from them. Usually, here's the thing, it used to bother me too that they actually never call, even though we have, you know, we can call through this free app. They take it that it's the children's duty to call. Used to bother me, but I don't know when I stopped, but it stopped bothering me. <laughs> I don't remember. I just call when I wanted to call. When I'm not in a good space, I don't. When I, you know, like, yeah, because I just need to have the muscles, right? Anyway, um, yes, um, last week, I I did, it It was a call for reparenting. I felt sad. I felt angry. Why they didn't call my kid. I knew it was my kid to like, yeah, this rude thing or, you know, one day out of the year, can't you call? I let them go to town with, you know, how they feel. It, it can tell me. And so all the feelings got, you know, expressed. My kids felt listened to, acknowledged, and em empathized. And, you know, I love them and all that. And I felt with them, too, because as, as the adult, I felt angry, too. And the next day, we would be friends. You know what? I'm going to call. I want to hear them. And sure enough, they forgot because I thought, oh, they could, for could have forgot it. They forgot my mom apologized to me profusely. And it was such a sweet conversation. Um, they don't say they love me. They haven't done in a long, long time. And I used to kind of try to coax it out of them. But no, nowadays, I'll, I'll take the best that they can. They will say, when I say, I love you, we say, thank you. 
you too. The word love still hard to get out of their mouths. That's all right. I know we have this heart to heart connection. They love me. I I I can see how much they have done for me. Um, I miss them. I haven't seen them uh, well COVID and before that four years now. I miss them quite often. And uh, I call them, I try to call them more often, uh, but we, we, you know, it's like time has passed that we live in different places, different cultures, kind of far apart, you know, like, but um, yeah, uh, with my siblings, um, we still don't talk much, but that's all right. I know they love me and I love them. Um, what else? Um, I've been married. My husband is also an ACA. Uh, I am the one who introduced ACA to him. So he's been in ACA as well. And I'm very sure that this marriage could not have survived without both of us doing this healing work, this spiritual work to grow to find out what happened and heal. Uh, we oftentimes said, if only one of us, you know, did the ACA and the other one did not, we would not have survived either. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, I've been pursuing my different passions with, you know, different talents I have been gifted with. Uh, ACA has been helping. I could not have done that uh, without ACA. So my time is almost up. Um, I would like to end with this. Um, uh, yes, uh, look up, especially newcomers, look up uh, the Red Book. Uh, I think it's like the front, the, in the front for Claudia B's uh, writing, you know, the mantra that I mentioned. Um, love that child for what she or he has had to defend against. So please keep coming back because it works if you work it. And if I can heal, you can too. Thank you so much for letting me share.